How's it going? Rob O'Connor from Irish Beats on Beat 102-103 here with another podcast introduction for you. On Friday the 30th of October, Oliver Cole released his new album, Father, Brother, Son. This is his third solo record, which also follows on from three albums in the early 2000s with his band Turn. Normally, when an artist releases an album, they line up a slew of gigs, in-store signings, appearances on radio shows, interviews with top journalists, etc, etc. But due to the COVID pandemic, Ollie spent his time talking to me over the internet with him in his home studio and me in my makeshift attic office space. Oliver Cole is a rare specimen in the world of Irish music. He's modest yet confident. He's self-deprecating yet also self-aware and self-assured. His new album Father, Brother, Son is certainly his most personal work to date and our conversation covered many of the themes and motivations behind the record and what went into making it. I was genuinely surprised by some of the stuff he said and taken aback more than once by his honesty. An edited version of this interview was broadcast on Irish Beats on Sunday the 1st of November, but the full unedited interview is presented here. Before we started recording, Ollie and I were chatting about the huge amount of Irish music being released right now and the volume of home recordings that have been knocked out during the lockdown. I remarked that it had been five years since he'd released his last album, Year of the Bird in 2015. Had he hung up his guitar? Would this album have come out even if COVID-19 hadn't come along? Yes. Actually, that's the short answer. And then to be honest, when when this record went through various stages of completion, I started it off, I started off recording it myself. And then I played some of the demos or where I was at with the recordings because I have a studio in my house so and I, I I recorded everything on Year of the Bird myself played everything recorded everything and it was a bit of a learning curve but it, then it came to this record and I was like I'm good at this now I can do this so got it to a point and then this guy called Robbie Malone who's David Gray's bass player and a friend of mine unbelievable musician he kind of heard that where I was at with the recording and he was like nah 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 you got come on gotta do this properly so he booked this studio uh, out in Wicklow that's owned by uh, a string arranger called Fia Cotrent. She's a very famous string arranger, did all the strings on Fairy Tale in New York and stuff like that. He's, he's a legend in the kind of world of string arranging. So we went out to his studio and started again. And then I brought those kind of sessions home and started. And then Fia Cotrent, because we were out in his studio, kind of got to know him. So then he became involved and then he was going to do the string arrangements. So basically that it, what should have been a very quick album to record, turned it into quite a long recording thing. And then it could have come out last year. It could have come out er, even earlier than this time last year. It was sort of ready, but then, I mean, it's good that all these delays happen because at that point, third bar who were a record label owned by snow patrol, I was talking to Gary uh, Lightbody from that band and he had heard uh, some of the songs. So then he was like, hold, whoa, 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 we'll bring this out on third bar. He was like, this is this is a really important record. Let's take our time and do it properly. So loads of, and then you, all the usual stuff like artwork and all sorts of stuff. It just, it should have come out 
last year. But then actually, you know, the way you said there, like we Albertry was 2010, year of the bird was 2015. This, at least it's symmetrical. At least, at least we're every five years, there's a record now. Hmm. So, yeah, so that's the kind of long, boring answer. It probably could have came out earlier from a composition point of view, but the actual record, recording it right took took a few attempts. The first attempt went wrong and next attempt was a bit better. And just just to clarify that then, was any of this recorded during COVID-19, the last six months? Uh, none of it. I think it was all, none of it, yeah, it was completely finished. Okay. So, okay. But the interesting side note to that is that when uh, COVID started in March, I teach in a music college, so we were kind of shut down really. I was in work, I think, on Wednesday, and I was told just not to come in on Thursday. It was that that blunt, as we all remember. Mm. So I really enjoyed the first lockdown as much as one can enjoy these things. I suppose it was sunny. We live in a kind of cottage in a kind of a rural thing. So we had a nice five kilometers around us. We're in five, we had the beaches within five kilometers. There's Ardgillen Park, which is beautiful, is beside us. So we we were enjoying getting out and doing a bit of walks. And then about a week into it, I started recording and the the record that's going to come out after this one is finished. So I just, okay. so this is the funny thing because this record came out today and I have the follow up to that record done, like completely done. Because what I did was I just went, I had all the songs written or part written in my phone. So I just said, I just knew in my head, I was like, I should really use this lockdown. People used it to get fit or do whatever. I was like, I'm going to use this. I've got endless time. I'm going to record. So every day I went into the studio, sat down, flicked through my, you know, voice memos on my phone until I found something that was kind of interesting, like a sketch of something. I just went, right, I'm going to work on that today. And I recorded 16 songs in the space of like, and also I was doing a song live on Facebook every night as well. That kind of, I did that for 70 days. So I just... I fired myself into work mode because I'm determined that the next record isn't going to be five years away. It's going to be one. <laughs> so. it's, it, it's funny you should mention that, right? Because uh, I was talking to uh, a very good friend of mine, Michael Breen, uh, and he's a big fan of yours from going back to the turn days. He would have been one of the stands, as we'd call them now. He would have been right down the front shouting at you when you got a lyric Good wrong. Man. Right, okay. <laughs> uh, but, but so I said, oh, I'm going to be interviewing uh, Ollie, Oliver Cole tomorrow. Mm. I said, oh, listen, will you tell him I loved all the lockdown stuff he was doing, all the videos, all the stuff he was putting up on YouTube. So I said, oh, I will, yeah. And I said, I hadn't looked at any of these myself because yeah. I, I personally, I kind of retreated from all that because I found it was just getting to be too much. Mm. Um, that's nothing to do with, with quality or anything. I just, I didn't want to see people playing guitar um, oh, on yeah, screen. I wanted... Yeah, I know. You, you know, it. and that's no, that's no, no, yeah. no shine on you or anything no, like that. Yeah, um, but so I said, oh, I better look at. I just have a quick look at these now before I'm chatting to Ollie tomorrow, just so I have at least a half a clue of what he was doing. And so I, I chucked Ollie Cole YouTube, I think, into Google. Mm. And next thing, all these videos of Grand Theft Auto and fella flying a flight simulator <laughs> from like Washington to uh, Tokyo came up, and I'm thinking. Jesus, oh, so this is what he's doing. He's getting oh, yeah. into game streaming. 
so have you been moonlighting as a Twitch game streamer? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm a, I'm a, a stunt man as well. I do a lot of action stuff. I, I, I made Grand Theft Auto. A lot of people don't know that about me, but growing up on the, the wild and violent streets of Kells County Mead, it was very easy for me to write the game Graham Te- Grand Theft Auto because that's just a regular walk down Main Street, Kells. You know, mm. so. so you- <laughs> but it was a gas one though. That I mean, were you so aware there's that there's I, that there's I a game streamer who's Ollie Cole as well? No, I wasn't. I, I I'm definitely <laughs> one of those people who have never Googled themselves. It's probably a good <laughs> idea to never Google yourself. You'll find somebody giving you a two two out of five review and calling your album music. Oh, crap. it'll upset you for the whole day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but so but so you were producing these videos. And, and I looked at them. I, I did find them then. And uh, was it the isolation? Tape? The isolation. And as tapes, I saw, yeah. there were so many of them. I did um, seventy. Yeah, I did it every day for seventy days. And it was only when the when we when the restrictions were lifted that I kind of stopped. So so do you know what? It was so good for my mental health. I know yeah. a lot of because no matter how I felt on a particular day, I knew I had to go into the studio at some point, set up the camera and play uh, a song. And because I did 70 songs, I did a lot of cover versions. So so some of them were songs I didn't, you know, I liked, but I'd never played before. So the, so the morning would be spent just kind of learning it, playing it a few times on the piano or the, the guitar, excuse me, and just getting it kind of good. And then at some point I had a rule with myself that everything was going to be one take. I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to struggle over, over, get so like some of them have mistakes and everything that it doesn't really matter but i just come in here at some point then around six o'clock set up the camera the camera would be on the tripod and i'd sit sit in front of the mic with the guitar and just play whatever the song was but i learned like there was loads i'd be very good at playing uh cover versions in anybody's corner of anybody's pub now if they wanted me i know a million <laughs> cover versions <laughs> so and do you know what's weird about song this is a kind of a, an aside i suppose but my, I should have done, like, I learned a hell of a lot about songwriting by playing, you know, you sit down to learn, to, I'd go like, oh, I'll do that Beatles song. She wakes up, she no longer needs you. I says, oh, I'll do that one today, you know. So you sit down to learn it on the guitar and then you're like, oh, this is much more complicated song than I thought mm. from a music, musical point of view, you know. And then you kind of learn it and then I was learning Bonnie Raitt songs that I can't make you love me and sometimes like a bit of funny stuff like Gilbert O'Sullivan, those those kind of classic kind of songs. But I I honestly think it by the end of it I I was a much better songwriter. I just learnt loads about chords and melody and everything just by learning other people's songs. Yeah, so yeah. It was a real it's, education. It's- it is. It's amazing because you, there's probably be changes and and shifts exactly. that you wouldn't necessarily expect. Exactly. Um, Some of that Gilbert O'Sullivan stuff, like oh, yeah. um, what's the, alone again? I learned how to play alone again, and I was like, "Shit, this is re- this. It's it's actually world class songwriting." So, mm-hmm. like, it's coming from that kind of brill building, Cole Porter era of songwriting. We, us pop musicians, and we've ruined music now. We just go, there's there's the three chords for the verse, and they're <laughs> going to be the same in every verse. And here's another bit for the chorus. You can just copy and paste that in, because that's the same every, like, that's literally, <laughs> that's literally how a lot of, I wouldn't say a lot, like most, but it literally, you know, you kind of have the making of a song when you hear the, the kind of intro, the first verse and the chorus, you kind of know where you're at. Whereas yeah. if you go back to some of those songs, 
even like I learned a few really tasty things like my funny Valentine or something like that. And you're just like, what's going on? Like it's 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 an evolving thing musically. It doesn't it doesn't settle, you know. But uh, years ago, I used to play in a, a wedding band, 100,000 years ago. And honestly, I still say it was probably the best musical education I ever got, like learning Bee Gees tracks and ABBA songs. That sounds so simple, but actually to learn an ABBA song properly, there is a lot going on there. And what instrument were you playing? Uh, mostly guitar. Mostly guitar, yeah, that, yeah. That's That ABBA stuff is really like... You're like, what the hell? Oh, yeah. And, and you know, all the major seventh with an extra fifth and and yeah. and, a, a, and a B bass or something like that just to, to throw you, you know. I, um, that stuff is really... Re- and actually, you know, I teach in a music college and... Um, I mostly teach songwriters, so we, we get to just talk about poetry and fluffy ethereal things. But I also work in this live performance class and part of how the students learn, they they learn a different song, like bass players, drummers, guitar players, they all, they're all in their own streams, but they all learn a song individually. So it could be something like Rosanna by the Toto, which is really, really difficult. It's got this thing called the Purdy Shuffle and for the drummers, it's one of the hardest drum beats ever. It's got like all this brass. Meet you all the way. That one, you know, it's like really hard. So they learn it individually and then they come together. And in this live class that I teach, they come together and you literally just go, okay, Rob, you're a guitar, you're in bass. And these people get up on stage who've never played together before. And they play Rosette. This is it's so they but they do a different style and song every week and it's always something really difficult. And all of those students say that they learn more this happens in first year and they all say they learned more in first year because they were just roasted out of it. Some of those songs were so hard to play. But yeah. then it, then you have it, don't you? Now you have it like so you're playing something else in some other world and you go, Oh, maybe that maybe that bass line from Rosanna might work here or whatever you do. It's it, it's just tunes mm. little 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 kind of things techniques that you d- learn and it's all part of the i suppose the the osmosis yep. of music you know that that there's ideas that may not directly affect your next record but somebody else might have used that that caused that record that fed into another record that you liked and you said oh i like that you know so the, it, it's a continuum as opposed uh- to always just these direct lines. But I think that's kind of what art, all all art is. Like if you were to look at the painting world or, you know, you can definitely, I remember a friend who teaches art in NCAD and I remember I'd been to countless galleries before, but he brought me to the Guggenheim in Madrid one day because I was, we were there. So he brought me around the gallery and it was so interesting to walk around the gallery with somebody who knew what they were talking about because he was going like, look at this. This is Picasso. He's like, this is uh, 1930 to whatever year it is. And he's going, look at it. And he's going, now look at this. And then he's bringing me over to something else that happened maybe 100 years earlier. And he's going, this is where he got that. I mean, he's famous. Picasso's famous for this, but look at it. It started here. And then, so it, it, music is like that as well. It's like, everything comes into being based on stuff that's happened beforehand. And sometimes on a subconscious level, you've been listening to the new Radiohead records and you sit down to write something and it has a touch of that off it because that's mm. the world you're living in now. And and then sometimes on a deliberate effort where, where you actually sit down 
and you just play like an Elliot Smith song or something like that. And you go, I'm going to write something like that. That's like a more conscious decision. But I'm totally at ease. Like now on this record, like people have said like, oh, that song, there's a song called Prophetic Genetic. And people are like, it sounds so like, like a Paul, like a Simon and Garfunkel song. I'm like, well, thank you. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know it does. And it, if when I was doing it, I was like, I bloody love Paul Simon. And when I was making a record, I was listening to lots of Paul Simon and I sat down and I wrote, wrote the song and it was like, even my wife was like, oh, it's got a real Simon and Garfunkel buzz off. And I was like, yeah, cool. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm totally at ease with things being influenced by other things. It's it's the way it's the way of it. Well, I, I was actually going to ask you that. So, um, Oliver Cole, new album, Father, Brother, Son. It's released, uh, as we're recording this, today, the 30th today. of October. Um, normally, you should be doing something much sexier and much more rock and roll than talking to some dope in his attic from, from your space. Uh, you know, but what can you do? Well, it's um, actually, it's quite a pleasure to have this to do because I I feck all else to do today. I was thinking this is going to be the first album release day I've spent in my socks for the whole day. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think I have to put on a pair of shoes for anything today unless I need something well, in the shop. Well, I, I'm, I'm delighted that you decided to wear pants today. So <laughs> play, Well, how do you know? You can only see me from the waist up. <laughs> um, maybe talk about what, what informed the musical palette of this record. Uh, yeah. Now, I, I'm going to be straight with you and tell you, I've only listened to this I would say two and a half to three times. I've I've had one mm. complete uninterrupted listen and I really enjoyed it. And then I've listened to bits of it mm. a, a numerous times, but that's just a function of it. I get to listen to it more a, a, as it goes on. Yeah, that's but fine. One of the it, things it only that, came out this morning, so you're doing It only came well. out this morning, yeah. Well, I was very, I was very, Pete, um, your uh, yeah. PR person, very kindly did send me on the tracks um, okay, earlier yeah. in the week, so I did have a listen to it. But what, one of the things that struck me about it, well, there's two things. First off, the strings are absolutely gorgeous mm. on it. And the I, I kind of got a, a Golden Slumbers vibe off, off one track in particular, Move On, Move On. Mm. And as I was listening to it, it's funny you mentioned Paul Simon because now that's going off in my head for prophetic genetic. Mm. Yeah, so we're talking about the musical palette, about what informed Father, Brother, Son by Oliver Cole. Okay, well, I will say... I remember saying to my wife, Claire, at some point that I wanted, there's a, I suppose that's good. That's, I'll try and do it really quickly, but I had a, I had a, like a real bastard of a sort of a 2016 and 2017, which was really when I was starting to write this record and record it in the first place. Uh, my poor brother, who is just a year older than me, less than a year older than me, actually uh, got like a, rare kind of brain tumor thing and um he passed away quite young he was only 45 or 46 young kids and everything so that was we were very tight me and him so that was really difficult and then we really soon after that my mother was diagnosed with the same rare type of brain tumor four months later she was gone now i know i'm not unique unfortunately this happens to lots of people but around that time my son elliot was born as well and there was a there was just a kind of a lot going on and I was thinking I think whenever you're faced with these kind of uh things in life especially loss and grief there's other it's sort of a multifaceted thing grief you're kind of 
faced with your own mortality. You're faced, you start into a, into remembering things. Memories are a really big thing. You start, when you lose someone, you seem to spend a lot of time thinking about when you were a kid sitting on their knee or some, some other thing, you know. I was certainly thinking about me and my brother as kids a lot and me and my mother. I, I was thinking about that world, but also, you know, putting putting my little son Elliot's jumper on and saying, make sure you hold your sleeve so that it doesn't get crumpled up when you put on your jacket. And like remembering someone, my mom doing that for me. And so I was in this kind of very nostalgic place and reconnecting with family because I was, my dad was now alone. So I was going to visit him more. And, and this, these, the songs kind of evolved. They're all, they're all kind of about that in some way shape or form that's why it's called father brother son because i am all of those things and this the album in some way is considering it's considering where i am in this wheel between my parents and my children and and but that was the first thing so i the, the song started to be informed by that world of sort of memory childhood genetics lineage mm. learned behaviors all sorts of things like that and then i knew at the same time, I knew I didn't want to make an indie record. I don't know what whatever an indie record is. I didn't want to make an indie record. I knew that this record was going to be, in some ways, a memory of my brother and my mother. And it, and so that so I kind of sounds silly, but I kind of wanted to make a record my mother would like. If that makes sense, that was actually part of my. So my mother was a big, great singer, big music lover. So that was kind of part of it, and then. It, I got really lucky meeting Fia Cotrench who did all the string arrangements and stuff because that allowed my record be classy. It's classy sounding record. And mm. I didn't, I wanted it to be more in, in line with like a great Paul Simon record or a great Beatles record or whatever it is, kind of classic songwriting. So that was, that was this was all part of the thought process at the time. But also then I really really importantly didn't want it to be sad and I really importantly wanted it to be universal because as I said like yes I've I'm going through this grief of losing my mother and my brother and then also this sort of joy of my son and all that's going on but like these are not these are not unique things to me everybody goes through these so I wanted to make sure that like it was it wasn't a woe is me type record. I hate woe is me type records. I hate if a song starts off with I'm so sad because you left me, I'm out of there <laughs> at the moment. I yeah. have a, I have a, sometimes a fondness for darker music, but I think darker music is good until you know darkness. When you know darkness, it becomes harder to immerse yourself in really like when I was going through that grief and I still am, of course, but I found it harder to re- to relate to the darker or sadder movies and stuff like that. And usually I'm a sucker for that stuff. I love it. But anyway, so that was it. That was So when I set out to write the album, like if you listen to a song like the single, You Are The Right Turn, it's kind of, it's dealing with all of those things, but it, it sounds pretty upbeat. And the new, the single that comes out today is called We've Got To Follow Through. And it's basically talking about living 
living and carrying a sort of carrying a grief for somebody with you. Um, But it sounds like a jangle pop teenage fan club song or something, you know what I mean? On the, it doesn't, it's, it's celebratory, I guess, you know what I mean? And it's all, uh, yes, I'm considering all of these themes a little bit, but from a fondness, there's a song called the seaside song, which delves into a trip with my family from our house to Betty's town, which we would like most Irish families get in the car. It's sunny. We're going to the beach. (laughs) And, but it deals with the whole journey really vividly. And actually, in some ways, like it's really personal, that one. Like I'm talking about particular things that my dad would always do. Like he, there's an old humpback bridge and he'd speed up for it and all this sort of stuff. Mm. Um, but weirdly, that song, when I've played that song live back when you used to be able to play music live. And everybody, everybody loves that song and it has a universal appeal because everybody goes, we used to do that. Oh my God, your song about going to the beach I re- made me remember when we used to do this or that. But there's, they're just little sketches. Like that song is actually so cute. And I'm talking about my, my mom would pick songs from the tapes that she owns. Like I'm just remembering my mom in that car on, in that sunny day, like when in a happier time. It, I so, mean, it's interesting that, that, that you, because I'm not trying to belittle your personal experience. And, and yeah. I think maybe you have a little bit because you're saying, oh, everyone goes through it and yes you're you're tr- you're, you're correct in that everyone does go through it but that doesn't diminish that doesn't mean that you're not allowed to go through it or yeah, that, I, that 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 you're you're I, i'm not trying to make you cry here now either by the way no you're but very what I mean astute is, you're very astute rob because you're you've caught me basically because what I, no, I am i am sort of i'm so i'm so worried about the woe is i don't want this to be a woe is me mm. thing so like when when I talk to people about it, I always go, look at, I know this happens to everybody. Because is that like an Irish thing or something? Or is it just like, you know? Yeah, I think it's an Irish thing. Yeah, it is. You know, you just, you go, I'm grand. Yeah, grand. Shut up. You know, somebody comes I know, goes, but, <clears throat> right. I, w- I want to hit you then with something because there, there, as I said to you, I've, I've, I, I haven't given the, the album a forensic listen. I've listened to it and I've enjoyed it. But there, there's a, there's a kind of a one-two punch combination that I that really hit me, and that was track eight and track nine. So track eight is passing through, and to me, I was going, well, this is clearly about somebody passing away. This is clearly about death, yeah. and 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 it, and it gets to this kind of mantra esque bit towards the end, and then the next song, which is prophetic genetic track nine, um, at least I hope I have the order correct. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I was listening to files, um, but that to me sounds like waiting for the birth of a child yeah so so you, you you have kind of was it hatches matches and dispatches it, it, you know mm. in it, it, almost in those two songs so it's like one out one in yeah and the song the album open as somebody somebody pointed this out to me actually because i didn't notice it myself the album opens with a song called all your love comes from this mm. which is kind of talking about we love the way we are taught to love like the be the 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 things we the, the environment we're brought up in has so much to do with how we how much love we are capable of giving on afterwards or whatever so that's but it ends the, the whole album ends with a duet between me and my daughter emily who was five at the time that's so oh my god like that 
for me, is the greatest thing to come out with this record. That little duet with me and Emily, because whatever, like, I have that now. That's a yeah. perfect moment between me me and her. We get we get on great anyway. Like, of course, she's my daughter. But uh, when we were recording the song, it was so funny, but because we're trying to do it live. So, I, like, she's only five. So I'm singing my bit and I'm giving her the nod. You're in, you're in here. And she's like looking out the window or whatever. <laughs> But eventually we got it done and the song is called Choose Carefully, Emily. And it's it, kind it of closes saying, the album, doesn't it? It closes the album. Yeah. But it's kind of saying to her that, uh, it's kind of saying, if you eat an apple seed, oh my, will it grow, will it grow? And then, you know, will you lead an apple life? Will branches replace your ankles and all this? And then it kind of goes through all these different, sorry, bloody computer pinging away. Here. That's all right, don't worry about it. But um, yeah, it goes through whatever seed whatever fruit she, she turns into it. And you, it's really descriptive and funny kind of language, but it ends with, if you're going to choose some kind of seed, choose carefully, Emily. So it's kind of on the face of it, it looks like it's a song, a stupid kind of cartoony song, but maybe it's like, whatever you, whatever you do has sort of consequences or something like that. Like it's, and it's funny that it, it start the album starts with that kind of, you love the way you're taught to love and it sort of ends with me paying that forward onto my own Your children, yeah. Yeah. (coughs) What's terrible about this, Ollie, is that you have kind of preempted a load of my questions. (laughs) (laughs) Right? But, because I was going to ask you, I was going to ask you about uh, the Choose Carefully, Emily, because I was listening to, so I was listening to Father, Brother, Son uh, downstairs in the kitchen earlier on and my kids were running around the place doing all Halloween-y stuff and it got to Choose Emily Carefully or Choose Carefully, Emily and suddenly two of them started going, what's that? Who's that? Because they heard the A little girl's voice, voice on yeah. it. And also they're going, eating an apple and turning into a tree. And that's mad. That's gas, you know. Yeah, and, it's, and it's got a lovely, it, it, musically, it's actually, it's got, a, it's got a lovely progression. It sounds like it's played on a kind of a small guitar or, or ukulele yeah, or a mandolin or something. Yeah. Is it a ukulele? It's, is a, it? it's like a big ukulele. So like a baritone ukulele. Yeah, so. but it, it was, it, it's this, so all the way through the record, you have these lush arrangements and, and there's some big moments and uh, particularly the, the end of passing through really kind of, I thought that was really, really nice. And, and the way the, the record starts, it builds up and then you just have this tiny little song at the end that yeah. absolutely floors you. You yeah, know, isn't it strange the, the way yeah. music goes like that, isn't it? And the simplest ideas, like that, that song because I was trying to make Emily laugh, essentially, when she was about three or four, I literally, there's a ukulele hanging in the wall in our kitchen beside the kettle, because usually when I'm waiting for the kettle to boil, I'll just play the ukulele. (laughs) But I just picked it up and without even thinking went, you know, if you eat an apple seed, oh my, will it grow? And I was trying to do like almost some like George Formby type jokey singing. But like I kept singing and Claire, my wife, was sitting at the table and she was like, you should record it. It's really good. And uh, I was like, I was like, hit record. So she just hit record on her phone and I just kept singing. And then like we were, I'd stop and my wife would go pumpkin seed. And I'd be like, oh, if you eat a pumpkin seed, oh my. And we just, and we were just having a laugh, you know, and then Emily was kind of dancing. We were all just kind of having a laugh. And then literally like five minutes later, that whole song was written, all the verses, everything. And it was, it's turned out to be, it's just a little ray of sunshine on that record too. It's really important that it ends with that because it, it is, you know, like you said, passing through, it's on the nose talking about grief. Like it's right on the nose, that one. Mm. Others are a little bit more, 
um, ethereal, I suppose, or, and some of them are very, actually very positive. Because like I said, when I started, like grief is not this one thing. There, it, within, uh, within that time of whatever, there is the appreciations, the memories, the worries, the, your own mortality sort of thing that that's the in the, that becomes uh, prevalent, I suppose, as well. But then, the most important thing for me is that sort of appreciation, appreciation. Yeah, what I have, and that's why it's so nice to finish with that little funny duet between me and Emily, because that's a pretty golden moment that's captured now forever. Oh, it, it, that's something. I mean, it's made me kind of inspired going, God almighty, what am I doing with my life? You know, because you <laughs> think that your kids are getting older and I'm I'm sure, look, whatever happens, happens. But I mean, in 20 years time to be able to turn around and pick that out, if you never do anything else in your life ever, yeah. you'd be able to pull that out. And I mean, I'm sure it'll make you cry, make you laugh. It's 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 a wonderful, wonderful moment. Uh, but I, but it's not cheesy though. I think that's the trick. Small, it's yeah, not cheesy. It's, it's not, not cheesy, yeah. it's not just go on, sing something nice there, girl. And you know, it, it's, it's actually it, quite it's not a, a gimmick. It's quite a complicated little song that it's like it if I changed the lyrics and kept it in another way, like it's like a Paul McCartney melody or something. <laughs> like it's a really it's super melodic and there's yeah. lots of really nice chord changes and stuff like that. So it's yeah, I get what you say. Like it's not it's not too sweet. It's not like smaltzy or it's not a gimmicky kind of thing or whatever. There is there is a bit of, uh, I can't really say this talking about my own song, can I? But there is a bit of quality in there as well. It stands up as a piece of music as well. Ah, as, uh, yeah. Well, you're allowed to say it. You know, like yeah. you, you are. Like that's the Irishness in, in you as well. That's like, the Irishness. You know, yeah. you're, allowed to, you're allowed to feel proud of this piece of work. I mean, you're releasing an album today. Yep. You're allowed to feel proud of it. You know, you uh, should. You should be. I mean, because I mean, I suppose... Again, it comes back to this thing. If if you're not proud of it, well, who else is going to be? I'm starting to get better at that. I'm starting to get, uh, yeah, starting to get better. Like, mm. I, I've, Jesus, I've done terrible things in the past because of those uh, Irishnesses. Or they're, we, we kind of call them Irishness, but there's, there's probably a degree of it's just human nature. It's hard to push yourself. But, like, even that first record that I made, We Albatry, I was so proud of that and I worked really hard on it. And then when it was coming out, I signed to EMI. They were going to bring it out. Uh, another company in England called Big Life signed me for publishing. I had just kind of come out of being in turn and like everything was sort of lined up. People like even people were saying people were going like people in the in music industry and friends of mine in Dublin were going like, whoa, this is, this is good. Like you, you got to This is great that Big Life are behind you and so and so's. But like, when I look back on it, I kind of, I was very destructive at that moment. It was almost like I felt like I didn't deserve the opportunity that people were giving to me. Or I thought, I thought maybe if I, if I ruin it myself, I'll, I don't have to take failure if it fails anyway or something. Like, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I go through this thought process in my own head a lot because I always have been that kid and now this adult who self-destructs thing a little bit but I've been working on it so and this record I mean I haven't done that I've put my best foot forward and I'm I'm kind of able to say more or less proudly this is my best foot forward (laughs) Mm -hmm. and and I'm able to accept like the record has been 
really well received, thank God. And there's certain DJs that are playing it every night and people all like yourself as well, Rob, like people are really supportive. And I think I kind of am learning to be grateful for that. And yeah, I'm learning to kind of, I suppose, just ex, ex, I don't know. I, I'm still, I'm even struggling to say it. I mean, so I'm still not, I'm still not brilliant at just going like, I know people who are successful. Um, my God, they were always going to be successful because they just think they're brilliant. They think that they're like megalomaniacs or something. And like, you know, somebody goes, your record's doing really well. They're like, of course it is. I'm a genius. <laughs> and you kind of need a bit of that. Don't you? you need a bit of Kanye yeah. West in you to get, to get, yeah, to, well, to get, maybe not as going. much, but I mean, maybe not as, as much, but, but to give you a kind of a, a, a kind of an Irish compliment, uh, this is just from my own point of view and I'm not speaking for any other DJs or press people or anything like that, but if it was shite, I wouldn't play it. So Yeah, <laughs> yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Um, like, contrary to popular belief, we don't go around looking for shite to play on the radio, you know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know, like, um, I've, been, I've been really pleased with it. And then yesterday, uh, Tom Dunn called it, like, named it his album of the week for his radio show, which I really brilliant. like Tom's radio show. So he named it album of the week. And uh, Bruce, he's the biggest Bruce Springsteen fan ever. And he didn't give it to Bruce Springsteen. So I, I was like, I was put on Twitter. <laughs> I was like, move over, Bruce Springsteen. I'm the boss this week. <laughs> but like, I suppose, yeah, I'm I'm determined not to let the self-destructive uh, part of me ruin it, ruin things this time. I'm going to try and be gracious. I'm going to try and say thank you. When somebody tells me they really like something, I'm going to say thank you and uh, basically just uh, try and try and make this record be more, not more successful, I suppose, but yeah, I'd love I'd love more people to hear this record. It's, that's an also a terrible time, isn't it? I mean, bringing out a record in week two of level five lockdown. It's like, <laughs> so what can you do? I mean, look, I, I know it sounds it sounds terrible, and, and was it like <clears throat> we've got to move on? You know, yeah, yeah. you've got to keep going. I mean, yeah. we can't just go into this stasis. Um, yeah. And then again, you know, funnily enough, I've been listening because I'm listening to obviously an awful lot of music. Um, what I'm finding this year, the music that is speaking to me personally more or I find I'm gravitating to is more of the organic material. And what I mean by I love electronic music, but mm. and, I, and I have been going down an electronic rabbit hole for a couple of years now, but I'm really enjoying kind of acoustic instruments, strings, si- harmonies, you know, simpler records. Um, and, and I don't know, is that just because I've been on this wave and I'm coming on another wave or is it that maybe because I'm missing live music I'm I'm just looking for something that's got a little bit more of a human connection yeah I think it probably is that you like that sort of human connection like I mm. love I I'd be the same as you like I was kind of listening to more after finishing this record even the record I just made, I think you'll like the record I just made during lockdown. It sounds like Granddaddy or something. It's like a mixture oh, of synth- synthesizers and electric guitars. Absolute stoner rock. Like, that. that's how the pendulum swings, I suppose, because I make this really serious record over here that deals with, you know, existence, life itself, like big themes, big 
big sort of heavy themes. So I make that. And then the next record I make is like piss take almost. It's like stone or rock, like just talking about silly things really. And it's, it's really great fun. But I have found myself gravitating towards like Laura Marling's album, Songs yeah. for Our Daughter. I, I adore this record. Like it, it sounds like a Joni Mitchell record from the 70s, but just in HD or something, 2020 HD version of that. I adore that record. And I have kind of found myself in the evenings putting on Joni Mitchell or Laura Marlin or mm. kind of things like that. Yeah, I suppose because you're in your house and life is slowed down, it doesn't seem right to stick on LCD sound system in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was listening to LCD sound system in the kitchen the other night actually. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe maybe after a couple of beers it seems completely right. That's gas. Right, listen, Ollie, I have one last question for you. Okay, cool. and what I'm looking for is a one or a two word answer. Now, this is mm. but you're 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 I. You're an educated individual. You are, I'd say you have a decent vocabulary, so you can take your time and think about a, a, a witty answer for this. Okay. So this is Oliver Cole's third solo album. Okay. Father, Brother, Son released today, follows on Year of the Bird and We Albatroy. If I'm correct, there were three turn albums. There was uh, Antisocial, Forward and Turn, Turn. And I, I, as I was looking up, I saw In Position, but I think that's more of a kind of an EP than an album, right? Yeah, but, it but, is, yeah. but what I'm saying is you have a body of work behind you that goes back 20 years. Mm. How would you view that work now in one or two words? Um... As in, Mo- let's say you were trying to describe the music for somebody else. Evolving gracefully. <laughs> I, I think, you know, yes, like I think, I think Antisocial is a good debut because we were only together a little while and it had, you know, I wish we'd recorded it a bit differently at times because I find it hard to listen to because I think we were actually a better band than that record demonstrated. I think Forward is brilliant. Mm. Like, I think songs like Imposition, Another Year Over, Summer Song, like you can literally line up those songs one after another and just go tune, 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 tune. It's solid. But we recorded ourselves and we probably could have done things production wise to help it a bit. But anyway, and then I love the last one. I would say now looking back on it, the last turn record is my first solo record, if that makes sense. Like I had started to work more independently away from the band. I'd gotten good at recording. So I was now sort of bringing things to the band and like, thankfully they were like, oh, we love this. And they were happy. I wasn't like whipping them and making them play my songs or anything. But when I listen to the last turn album and we albatry, I can see that they're brothers in some ways. They're, they're related to each other. I'm, you know, things that I can hear the kind of influence of things like the shins and stuff like that starting to come in, like real super melodic stuff and moving away from the aggressive rock of early turn stuff. And then Year of the Bird is a real ethereal kind of floaty kind of thing. I really... 
I wonder, I'm really proud of that one because I did, maybe it's because I just recorded everything myself and it was a learning, bro. It's just because I really feel like I made every single bit of it. Mm. And then this one, as I said, this one is probably my first record that's not an indie record. It sounds, it'll, it'll ha- it has a classic thing. I think I can put it on the shelf beside my Paul Simon and Van Morrison, Joni Mitchell and stuff. I can put this record on the shelf beside those and think, I could, I feel like it belongs there, and I'm not a chancer for the first for the first time, you know. So we well, see. Uh, well, I don't think you're a chancer at all. That was more um, than two words. <laughs> no, that's that's a wonderful answer because you've like it's it's terrible to ask somebody to distill a career into such a short period of time, but it also forces you to maybe be direct with your thoughts, if you know what I mean. Yeah. No, um, I think that's that's pretty much it. I've thought about I've, that question you just asked me. I suppose I've thought about it before, so I can kind of see the the, the train that goes through all those records. Mm-hmm. Well, the album Father, Brother, Son, it's out now. It's available on streaming. It's available on vinyl. Um, is there CD copies? Does anyone even listen to CDs anymore? I, we didn't make CDs copies. We didn't this time. We didn't make CD copies, but. You, that's the thing you say nobody listens to CD but now every time I bloody check my email it's just somebody asking me if I got a CD copy so I don't know We yeah, might, you never know CDs are easy to rattle off anyway um, that's not a big deal the vinyl is out now um, and yeah. it's available on streaming uh, and as we've established Oliver Cole's back catalogue is available if you go looking for it as well yeah Bandcamp um, Bandcamp sorry Rob but Bandcamp is the way to go because at the moment the record shops are closed and they're closed for the next you know, they're closed for the next five weeks anyway yes. we know that so unfortunately the only way to buy this record at the moment is you can just go to Oliver Cole Bandcamp and you can either you can either buy a digital copy of the record for 10 euro or else you can buy the vinyl and it'll be delivered to you for like 20 or 25 or whatever it is well you can't you can't say right you can't ask fairer than that can you I, I love the old uh, Bandcamp thing. Yesterday I got my Revelino album. I bought Revelino <laughs> and I bought another Joni Mitchell record, Court and Spark, which I really like. So there's something really nice when you open up the door and the postman's there with the big record-shaped parcel. You're like, Jeez, it's better than getting bills in the post, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, stop. <laughs> Bored gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, this is Bored gosh. What? <laughs> Why are you ringing me at 10 o'clock at night and watching Netflix? <laughs> Um, Ollie Cole thank you so much for the chat wish you all the best with the record and uh, hopefully we might even hear another one from you within 12 months and maybe the next time there might be some gigs associated with it that would just be lovely I guarantee you the next one is hot in this one's heels and it's it's (laughs) going to be great crack (laughs) brilliant two hours of homegrown music Irish Beats on Beat